Seems I'm attracted to a certain type. Listen, mm. uh, you know, Lenny loves you. He really does. He's just a man, a horribly aging man who cannot just be wholly one thing. He's, he's uh, lost. I've always known who he is. He called me, you know. And? He wants us all to go to Fairfield together for two weeks. He sounded different. Felicia. No, I, I, let's not make excuses. He didn't fail me. It's Felicia. No, it's, it's my own arrogance to think I could survive on what he could give. It's just so ironic. I would look at everyone, even my own children, with such pity because of their longing for his attention. It was, it was sort of a banner I wore so proudly. I don't need, I don't need. And <laughs> look at me now. Who's the one who hasn't been honest? Hello and welcome to this episode of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I am Lee Carlo. I'm joined by Chapin Hemingway and Jeremy Fisk. You guys remember Today, us? Yeah, look, maybe we maybe we start with that. I, we we understand, and we don't we don't apologize for anything. But uh, we understand that the podcasts have been few and far between. But I do want everyone to to feel at ease in that we are working diligently behind the scenes to prepare for the Fixies, the ninth annual Fixie Awards which are coming on March 10th. Is it March 10th or 11th? It's in 52 days. Oh, we'll I think recording. it's a Saturday. Yeah, it's that yeah, Saturday. It's, it's always a Saturday, right? Yeah. So we will be recording the Fixies down on the Cape, Cape Cod. Um, I'm looking forward to it, guys. I'm very excited. Chapin sent us his flight today. That's booked. Accommodations are booked. All that's left is to watch movies. And fortunately, we have some time to get on here and discuss one of those movies um, leading up to the Fixies, one that may very well have some major contenders. It is Bradley Cooper's Maestro. You can watch this movie on Netflix right now. It stars Bradley Cooper and Carey Mulligan. Um, Bradley Cooper plays the famous composer Leonard Bernstein and... Carrie Mulligan plays his longtime wife, Felicia Montalegra. <clears throat> um, and guys, I I wanted to host this episode because I have a question for you guys um, that will require me to kind of put my cards on the table, but I think that's fine. Um, I, I really quite enjoyed this movie. Um, and in particular, I thought that Bradley Cooper's performance was incredibly magnetic and I enjoyed that quite a bit as well. Um, now, it is well documented, my feelings on both biopics and the performances within them. And I'm kind of curious to ask you guys, I have my own theories perhaps, but I'm kind of curious to ask you guys if there is anything different about this movie, and if there is, what is it that is different from you know, the typical things that I criticize in biopics and biopic performances, because on the surface, it's all there. It's all the same. So I want to dig into that a little bit and see if there's maybe something different here. Go for it. Jim. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I read a a little review or maybe just like a snippet on Metacritic um, where that helped me kind of solidify my feelings on it. And I think I might have read it actually before I watched the movie. Um, so I was I benefited from watching it through that lens. But that this is a movie about a marriage um, instead of like about a composer. And I think that really helped. And I think that's the difference that you're talking about Lee like this isn't really I mean it's I think I think it's more about their relationship their marriage their dynamic um that is Leonard Bernstein and his wife um Carrie Mulligan Felicia uh, Felicia Felicia um and uh and in fact I mean uh, I, I don't want to get too much into my feelings yet but um I think when this movie really started to click with me was when we transitioned from black and white into color, where we start focusing on them in the thick of their marriage. And I think that's what's different. I don't think this is a biopic, really. I think this is about these two and a very complicated marriage. Um, <clears throat> I would agree with uh, Chapin that this this is a movie about the marriage and the relationship but inherently he he still is the like the scale still tips in his favor even though it is i mean he still is the famous one he's still the one we all heard heard about he's the one who <clears throat> made a difference in you know orchestral music for america at the time so you're still engaged in his story a little bit more than the relationship story and i think for me and i i agree with you lee i really enjoyed this movie up to a certain point which you know was when we we sort of switched perspectives to carrie mulligan felicia's point of view and that's when i i the movie lost me a little bit so oh, so, it, so interesting. do you and i have the opposite reaction to these th- are are you are you talking about the same moment i'm not talking say? about when it when it switched from black and white to color i'm talking about um the point when it really became her story after she got sick which is the last mm-hmm. maybe not even third of this movie once we left him behind a little bit um i i definitely l- didn't engage with the film as much as I did the first two thirds of this movie. Do you think that has more to do with the storytelling or more to do with Cooper's performance? Yes. Cause Mary, Carrie Mulligan is really good in this too. She's really but, good, but God, he's amazing. I was like, he is so good. And I, this is the, what I really want to dig in on because I left this performance just being like, I just want to watch more of him as Leonard Bernstein. And I have done nothing but shit on these types of performances. And I was like, okay, what makes this different than Austin Butler in Elvis? Now, I think Austin Butler is equally like interesting to watch kind of on a scene by scene basis. But like, I thought nothing about him and that. I movie. wonder, I wonder how much of your prior knowledge of Elvis in comparison to Leonard Bernstein has anything to do with it. Because we I think that just, make, I think that that's... factors in, but I don't think that's enough to warrant me doing a complete 180 on this type of performance when it comes to Cooper. I mean, despite being a Baz Luhrmann joint and, you know, all the sort of, uh, you know, kind of opulence that comes with that, it's still a very, a fairly conventional movie. Like it, it takes you from sort of 
birth to death and through all, and the dialogue is very conventional. You know, this movie it's almost like hard to understand a little bit because there's so much like overlapping dialogue. Everything is very really talky of, movie. Yeah. yeah, really talky. It's very realistic. There's a lot of like oh, you know, overlapping dialogue, these things and and I think it just feels like a different kind of movie. Um it feels like it's in the, in the hands of a of a competent filmmaker and um yeah, I mean, I, I, a question for you guys, because I, I, I had trouble figuring out where I landed with, with Cooper. Um, did it did it ever feel too much like a imitation? Or, like, was the was the sort of the Bernstein, Bernstein kind of, I don't know, his, the way he talks, the way, the sort of the mannerisms of, of him, were they, were they ever well, too much? That's always my always my issue, right? Is that 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 line is blurred between a performance and an imitation, and I don't know. And Jeremy, I think your point is valid to a certain extent. That like you know, I've seen clips of Elvis for my whole life, and we just know that what that is. And versus Leonard Bernstein, where we don't, so this is new to me. But I do think you have to suggest that there is a portion of this performance at least that is a an imitation and to me that always makes it lose points but man like but if I you don't know, know who th- he's, if you don't know who they're imitating it's hard to latch on to the imitation part of it i agree but upon reflection you i i like i guess i can't help but consider that i think it's a combination of things i think the, in terms of my whole question, I agree with you, Chape, and my theory was similar that this is, while it kind of hits some biopic points throughout the movie, um, it is it is a much more personal story. And even though it spans a long period of time, it does the thing that oftentimes biopics don't, where it focuses in on something that allows you to learn about the character. And you learn a lot about Leonard Bernstein in this movie through that through that key relationship. So I think that is kind of the answer there in terms of the performance. I think it's just a kind of a combination of like his dedication and obviously how well he pulls it off. But the way that this movie is made, I question what Bradley Cooper did better act or direct when it comes to this movie. That's a good point. Well, it's also a really, it's a really small and quaint, but beautiful movie. You know, you talk about it, Elvis and very, Baz Luhrmann and like yeah. how just big and and flashy that was. While this is just it, it, it just the cinematography also allowed good. some yeah. breathing room of the development <laughs> of this character and this relationship, which I think was smart as a director um, to do it that way. I mean, what did you guys think of switching from the old timey Hollywood black and white to color? Did that help work for you or I don't know because I, I just I found that the color portion of the movie just so much more interesting I, I have to admit as one often does in fixie season that I watched roughly up to that point um, and then waited about it could have been like up to 10 days before watching the second half um, not not how I want to do things <laughs> and I'll probably go back and try to watch it again um, before the fixies but uh yeah, I mean, I, I I was a little, I wasn't lost. I was intrigued by what was happening on screen in the black and white and loved the cinematography. Um, Matthew Libatique, who is, um, I'm sure, has at least one fixing nomination. He's def- he's, he was nominated for A Star is Born. 
Oh, yes. Okay. At least I can double check um, see if he's had anything else. <clears throat> and, uh, but really, I just became very interested in this movie starting with that, really just like that exact place in the movie when it started to go into color. And, uh, I don't think it had anything to do with the cinematography, but, um, I certainly liked the, the last, the bit more. It was, it felt like a very different movie. I thought the transition, the black and white, to the, I thought that was all a little conventional. Um, I didn't find it particularly necessary. And I do think that that is a little bit of the aspect of the quote unquote, you know, biopic that it's Mm -hmm. like, let's show the passage of time. Let's show him when he's young, when he gets his first chance. And like, then we, he meets Felicia and like, that's the stuff that like, honestly, and I think to a certain extent, Jeremy, I agree with you as the movie got towards the end where I, it started to wear on me a little bit is that it's, it's a little too long. I think it's not a real long movie, but it is a little too long. And I think that is because you're spanning so much time and you're trying to cover so much. And we got to a point where we're like, I get this guy. I get this relationship. I understand how difficult it was with him dealing with like, you know, who he was in the music world, who he was in that marriage, who he was on his own, his own sexuality. And I think you get to a point where you understand all that and the movie keeps going. And I think the black and white to the color is sort of just an example of how that movie, the movie does that a few times where it kind of falls back on these kind of conventional techniques that I don't think was totally necessary. It didn't hurt the movie. It looked great, but. Well, I think also one of the big reasons it was so engaging was Leonard Bernstein was such like, he was such a charming figure. He was, he wasn't a tortured artist. Right. Like you see a lot of times with it. He was, he, you know, lit up every room when he he came into it there was never that you know there was never that you know he he partied a lot but we didn't get to the point where we're like he was having problems with drugs or alcohol or you know obviously he was having problems with the relationships but he was always all the way to the of, end a little bit of drugs a little bit he didn't have a but problem even, that, he just, even he just <clears> used them but he used them. He, it wasn't that scene of just like i can't escape it i can't right. i need it for my work and like he almost seemed at certain points to be like um like the work itself wasn't his number one priority all the time and and how he split that up between his performance and writing especially the writing aspect of it because it was so lonely for him um i think that really helped and obviously the way bradley played it as that engaging of a character um really helped the film i i mean i think that's it's its strongest suit i think there's two instances that that kind of showcase that one is is one of the interviews he's having where he's just talking about how much he loves people and like he's just so genuine and like he's like maybe this is a flaw but like i just love people and like and then the other one is that that scene and i don't know is it like the the cathedral or something it's like that mm-hmm. major uh, scene which is so good we, and you we just should talk about that and you just see like the the joy on his face like how much he's just like loves this moment and like i think he you can even see that like he loves that it's kind of about him and like I, all these emotions are there which i think is a is the complete opposite of the tortured artist right like this is somebody who just like loves people he loves what he does and like he probably like loves all that stuff to a fault which I think this movie kind of explores. Yeah, and and to go back to that scene, like I think if we had best scene 
for fixies, like if we had an, uh, a category of that, I mean, that has to be the winner or really high up there, at least thus far of what I've seen. I mean, you know, it's obviously the famous thing is he practiced six years just to get that, basically to get the movements in that one scene correct and accurate, which it looks like, and it works. It's like, it's one, sometimes you hear something like that and you're like, that's just dumb. You didn't need to do that. You could have figured it out without practicing for six years, but it's all one shot. It takes place in the, I think the exact same cathedral that Bernstein. Looks like it, yeah. Um, Was it all one shot? I don't know that I noticed. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. Not Maybe from I'm the wrong. very beginning, but then it picks up at another, because it cuts to like the, the aria singers and then it cuts back to him and then it moves around the whole thing as well. And then shot. it ends the the problem is it ends with Carrie Mulligan and <laughs> they had just had this like basically almost breakup before that and she sort of just weirdly I, I thought that was a wonderful moment. Forgives them for everything in that moment, which didn't to me didn't seem genuine, but Well that brings us to another point, is that do we think we understood Felicia as well as we needed in this movie. It uh, it try it works really hard to make sure yeah. we get both sides. I but I think you can... leave the movie understanding her less because I think arguably what you brought up at the beginning, Jeremy, that you're just more interested in Bernstein. And Yeah. Burns. Uh, Bernstein, Bernstein. Bernstein Bears. Bernstein Bears. Yeah, I, 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 I do think her character lacks a little bit. Um I mean obviously she's so good carrie mulligan is great in that part and i you know jeremy i I gotta disagree with you i mean i found the cancer moment at the end of the movie just like heartbreaking and where it really solidified the strength of this movie to me yeah to make me out to be the bad guy um so i know i know you i know i know you wish you know just hope that she died oh go back to the man yeah (laughs) more interested in the man but uh the gay man yeah (laughs) um he's like gives him some more time for the dudes so, but yeah, um, uh, yeah, I think that, I wonder if that, cause this, this, this movie, I feel like, um, by the way, $80 million budget, <laughs> uh, you know, just good for, good for him. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and, um, you know, I, this movie isn't getting as great of reviews, you know, at Lee, as you know, I've been. And as I'm sure Jeremy has too, been uh, you know dedicated to our fixie spreadsheet, um, and you know looking at it, there are so many movies this year. Um, with let's see, let's see if we can count. Starting at with, seven. I mean, there's what? like what are we counting? Eight. Well, there's there's like thirty or forty movie, thirty five movies 30, with a meta yeah. sc- score over eighty, which is like usually universal acclaim right and this movie is at 77 so it's you know 40 places down um but you know i i i wonder i wonder if maybe the carrie mulligan part maybe that's people are faulting it for that i don't know i mean what do you guys think about that has this measured up to some of the past I, honestly like killer? despite our whole conversation, I really, really like this movie and I enjoyed it, you know, I almost agree. throughout and like, it's going to yeah. be there come fixie season, um, for, for a, a few reasons. And yeah, I mean, I don't know what else like to say other than it was a very enjoyable film and I'm a little surprised that it's not getting more recognition awards wise 
uh, than it is. Can we talk a little bit about Cooper? I, I, I was just sort of thinking during this movie, trying to focus on just like how sort of amazed I am by his talent. I mean, he, you know, he made a star is born, which, you know, I think I loved more than you guys did and, and played a significant role in my fixies that year, 2018. But, um, you know, well, this he did is a pretty com- good. He did. This is a completely different movie. It, I don't, I mean, with the exception that it's like about music, which took me a couple of days to like put together that, you know, both movies are about musicians. Yeah. Um, We're real smart here at the podcast. To defend you, that is kind of a testament to how different these movies are. Right. Like, they're they're very different. That. Yeah. And they're very different performances too. I mean, he's just, I mean, I think he's lost. He gets lost in a good way in both roles, but they're just totally, totally different. And, um, Boy, I I don't know. He's just like this. Seems like a force to be reckoned with, and um, I mean, I agree a hundred percent. Because and let, let's go back and just remind people of his history a little bit and our history with him. Um, you know, he kind of came onto the scene for a lot of people with Wedding Crashers. I know he was in Alias before that, and I was listening to something. I forget what I was listening to. It wasn't the Big Picture podcast, but they were talking about how he got actually written off of Alias. Um. And then he was kind of, you know, typecast into these roles like in Wedding Crashers and The Hangover. And I like actively disliked him. Yeah. In those movies. I did not think he was funny, you know, and as a result, like I was not impressed with his performances. And so I, I wouldn't say that I had like anything against him aside from the fact that I was just like, this is not an actor that I like. Oh, I know where I was hurt because they just did Silver Linings Playbook on the rewatchables. So they were talking about him. Um, and I've rewatched that movie and really have changed my tune on it from when it first came out. I really liked it at the time and I really, really, I I just think it's a little too weird, but I think um, he's really good in it. He is. And I loved him at the time. And that was where I started to change my tune on him a little bit, but it's been, it's, it's kind of since, you know, he's done some other things, but since a star is born where he's, you know, obviously started directing, that you're starting to see like how incredibly talented he is because he's playing all these different types of roles. And then he kind of, you know, no pun intended crescendos to this point where he like directs the shit out of this movie and obviously really gives it his all in the performance. But I'm like, it's unusual to kind of see like the peak of both of those things in the same movie. Can you think of another example where it's like a, a, director actor like Braveheart's the first one that comes to mind that's Weird a good thing. that's a good one yeah this is this is his Braveheart <laughs> yeah but it doesn't happen often where you just have a marvelous marvelous marvelously directed movie and a marvelous performance by the same person yeah it 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 it, it was impressive in the fact that it was impressive is part of the engagement in watching this film I think yeah, I mean, since A Star is Born, which was, gosh, like six years ago now, um, he's been in The Mule. He's been, you know, Rocket, the raccoon in the Avengers movies and Guardians movies, but he's basically been in Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley. <laughs> he's great in Licorice this. Pizza. <laughs> he's way funnier in Licorice Pizza than he is in his comedies. Yeah, that's true. Um, And Nightmare Alley he was good in, too. So good, yeah. 
Um, it, I, I'm, you know, obviously I'm interested in, in like what he's going to continue to do as a, he's got on the acting front, he's got in production, something called, is this thing on, uh, I guess, which he's also directing, um, with Will Arnett. Not, not a lot of information on that. Um, and then he's got a Frank Bullet untitled project in pre-production, which is directed by Steven Spielberg, uh, which is based on the character of Bullet played by Steve McQueen. So not a lot of information on that either. Him and Will Arnett are an interesting combo. Yeah, that's true. Wasn't Will Arnett part of that whole um, wet, hot American summer kind of crowd? Will Arnett in that maybe? No, he's, he's not. in that. But. No. <clears throat> um, all right, let's change gears to Carrie Mulligan here. This is an actress that we've always know, loved. We've always loved. And Education was the movie for me that did it. Um, and that was early in her career. That was two thousand nine, so. I think two thousand nine. Um, and you know, she went off. She she was making movies, but she didn't do a ton through the two thousand tens. And she she's been back the last handful of years. Um, and I mean, to, for me, she continues to like, to not miss. I know, um, promising young woman was a little bit polarizing here for us, but she was great in that. Um, yeah, she had, she she said she was, she said she was like (laughs) acting circles around her co-stars. Um, but there was definitely from like, she said that. No, she no, said the movie. The movie Chapin. Oh, oh, god! In Sorry, that, yeah. she was acting circles around her coaster. Basically, from 2014 to 2020, she was kind of quiet. And I remember being like, "Where's, where's yep. Carrie Mulligan? Where's the Carrie Mulligan that's going to be up for an Oscar every year?" You know. Well, especially because she had in '09, she had an <laughs> education in Public Enemies and Brothers. Uh, 2010. And didn't you the love Never Let Me Go? No, I didn't like it. Oh, you didn't like it. Um, 2010, she had The New Wall Street, Never Let Me Go. Then she had Drive and Shame in 2011. And then, I mean, Great Gatsby and Llewellyn, Inside Lewin Davis in 2013. I think, yeah, then you're right. That's kind of where everything seemed to slow down. Um, and I don't know, maybe, I'm not sure if she's, like, had a family or what, but... Um, but she was great in this. I mean, I really thought she was spectacular in this. And even the scene when it transitioned more to her when she got sick and and was dying um she was she was really good in it i don't think it had anything to do with her that i was sort of i felt i i I just wanted to see the movie i kind of came to see which was the bernstein movie i mean is it the writing of the character like is there i think so it seemed weird at the time to 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 make that switch because it was about both of them for i mean more him, but it was about both of them and about their relationship, but they kind of made the switch to her perspective, um, you know, towards the end there. And I, I just don't think it was a, a smooth transition. Um, there's no one else in this movie to really even discuss. Like, this is the other interesting thing about this movie is that, I mean, like a lot of these types of movies, it is kind of solely focused on your on your lead character and in this case also Carrie Mulligan's character but um like everybody else I think is just serving Bernstein here and trying to I think like what I was saying trying to 
do their part to help us as audience members understand who this person is. Um, which is thought, interesting um, because like, it's just, like we said, it's a very talky movie and there's like a lot of interviews and a lot of like sit downs and talks and stuff. And it's like, but it doesn't feel expository. No, no, it's very not expository. I think in a lot of ways, I think that's why I was lost in the first half. Um, I, I, I thought Sarah Silverman was very good. I, I know she's done a lot of dramatic performances, but I haven't seen any and I thought she was quite yeah, good in this. She was good. Um, I kind of, I liked Maya Hawk. you know, oh, she, she plays was the, the yeah. daughter. She was good. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, that's something else this movie did kind of interesting is it, it didn't shy away from like the kids aspect of a complicated no. marriage, which is so easy to do. And then if you do try it, it's so easy to like be one dimensional. And I actually thought it was pretty well done. Um, kind of showing the impact that, you know, all this stuff has on, on the whole family. Yeah, that's a good point. It is, it usually comes off as, um, a little melodramatic, but they did a really good job. Um, there's also a lot of good set pieces in this, um, you know, where it seemed like they built these like hallways and stages that come like move into each other and all that and i don't know if it was there was probably a cut somewhere i didn't see but um i really like those i mean it just goes to show you that bradley cooper was you know he he wasn't just settling to just tell the story he was really trying to do something with the camera in the filmmaking you know choosing black and white choosing to switch between black and white and color um he wasn't taking it easy on himself here. Well, and it's like motivated decisions too. And it's like, we yeah. keep comparing this to Elvis where it's just like, you know, spectacle for spectacle's sake when it comes to the style of filmmaking where here it's, everything seems to be, you know, in place. And like the, the, again, no pun intended, the cadence of the camera movements are so like, are so musical and like the, the, the pacing of the movie is similar to like the music that's playing and that's all Bernstein songs are playing throughout this, which I, how do you guys feel about that? I only knew that cause I had the subtitles on and it was saying like X by Bern- Leonard Bernstein is the song that's playing. I guess I didn't technically know that, but that doesn't surprise me. But like, like I don't, it's a weird thing, right? Like you make a movie about Leonard Bernstein and like all the music you choose is all Leonard Bernstein music. Like, is it too, meta i like that actually yeah i i I think it works what would you guys want to have the comparison of this to tar being that they both are about the same it's interesting because uh, i was thinking about that today and like tar tar is so good that it's hard to remember that it's not a real person that lydia tar is not a real person yeah um it's a fair comparison but again like in like just incredibly different stories like that you are dealing with like a a tortured complicated uh artist you know that arguably is getting in their own way yeah it's like i feel like tar has more interesting things to say as a film than maestro does um definitely but uh yeah they're they're different i mean they're different other than they're both, both I mean, I think, composers. Which... I think Tar is a much better movie than this, but I, it's possible I watch this more. Yeah, um, that's interesting. 
which, you know, we've said that plenty of times before, but this is just, again, this movie is very magnetic and like, I think you have a lot of sequences that are just like hard to take your eyes off of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of great, uh, behind the scenes or, um, sorry, you know, department heads, et cetera. I just thought the makeup was incredible, especially on him. Really? I thought the same thing when I was watching it, like the, just in that opening scene, the old person makeup, there is not a, like, like yeah. a crease, <laughs> like what is the term? Like there's not a little anywhere a that you, a yeah. seam. Yeah. That you can, that you can see, um, which is really impressive. But again, Definitely. like it continues to bring me back to like, I don't know, like, I guess that's very well done, but like, why, I get maybe, I know we've discussed it, but why is this so much better than Christian Bale and Vice or, you know, like we said, Austin Butler and Elvis or Rami I don't know. Ma- are you talking Malik about the performances? I don't know if the performance is better than those. Those are some of my favorite performances. I guess this is more of a years, question for but it's a, Jeremy, it's a better always, movie you for always sure. Like, you always like those more than I do. I mean, I think both of you tend to like those performances more than I do. But what, what's your question? Just like I, I still am, like trying, struggling a little bit with why I'm okay with what Cooper does in this performance versus so many of the other biopic performances I'm critical of. Well, I think I think you don't know what Bernstein sounds like. And maybe if you and maybe you have went back and looked at an interview with him and um he's very much like that or very much not, but but you don't have like I I, I was watching Vice the other day and I I don't think I got through the whole thing. I maybe watched half of it. And I don't really know that scene what, where the credits roll in the beginning. You're like, oh, I got, I yeah. did it. <laughs> the uh, I don't know if Bale is actually that great in that movie. I know Jeremy loves him, but it is like you have this balance where, especially with someone like that, who you know we're all familiar with what he sounds like, um, Dick Cheney. I'm saying, and we all know, um, you know, sort of his how that how how he sounds has been lampooned um in the past and so it's like so it becomes where like what do you do with a performance like that do you embrace the sort of mannerisms of cheney that make him distinct which i think um christian bale definitely did or do you like downplay it like i'm i'm thinking of like bruce greenwood in 13 days. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, but he plays Kennedy and he's, he's kind of doing the accent, but he's not, he's not doing like a Kennedy impression. Right. Um, and you know, you also have to think about what kind of movie it is. This is an Adam McKay movie. So there's an expectation there. Maybe McKay directs it, but, but, but it does mask. I think it gets in the way of enjoying and, and getting into that performance. And, Maybe that was the intention, right? Like, I don't think, you know, McKay is not someone who has wanted you to fall in love with his protagonist, especially when that protagonist is Dick Cheney. Um, and so I think maybe that distance from him is is intentional. But I think what uh, Bradley Cooper does in this and in A Star is Born is, is do 
a performance that is a lot of mimicry and a lot of big, hey, I'm doing something different actor moves, but he brings the charm and the acting skills and the sort of like pathos of a great actor to those performances. And so it's, and it work it's very well integrated. And so you do feel like you're watching an, a unique person in, in this sort of like, you know, fifties, sixties icon who, you know, has a little bit of a lisp and, you know, has a, has some sort of, effeminate mem- mem- uh you know mannerisms but also is is just incredibly enigmatic and 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 magnetic to other people in 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 his atmosphere um i think but also and this just kind of occurred to me when you said you know he's just an interesting person like when it comes to the movie how much does it matter who that person actually is with maestro it doesn't like matter a whole lot that this is Leonard Bernstein, right? Like in Vice, it obviously matters a great deal that that's Dick Cheney. In Elvis, it matters a great deal that that is Elvis. Can't just be any like musician of that era or any vice president of that era. Like this is just a very interesting person that Cooper Mm. is portraying. And I I think the fact that it's a real person, you know, is a draw, but I think it, I think it helps get past the idea of the imitation or the mimicry. I think that we we are probably too young to appreciate the role in pop culture that he played. Yeah. Um, you know, he died by 1990. Um, so I think he was more in the public eye than maybe we would have guessed. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. That is often something I think about where um, – you know, is the movie more interested in the themes that this character sort of digs out for you, or are they more interested in the character, right? Like, if you could, could you take this movie and, you know, do a, you know, use a pseudonym for Bernstein, would it be the same movie? Probably. Yeah. But right. you can't, you can't do that with Dick Cheney, right? Yeah. Which is, I think, my point. And I think that, I think that helps at least in my case, I think that allows me to say like, yeah, this is a good performance because what I'm looking at is somebody portraying an interesting character. And yes, there's some imitation here because it is a real person, but that, that to me, isn't the piece that's so impressive. You know, to me, it's the, no, it's, you know, under that beneath that, that is really kind of allowing me to understand this, this character in this movie. I also think the old school filmmaking style that Cooper used helps place the character a little better. Um, you know, if you like, you know, vice is very McKay fast, like, yeah. Cut, you know, uh, we ta- already talked about, <clears throat> um, whatever the Elvis movie, like that's just an insane, way to make a movie um this is (laughs) (laughs) this is like very kind of like we were talking about with the makeup like everything seemed really just old school practical on the day you know do it um i'm sure there was stuff you know that that wasn't but it, it gave off that feeling and i think that helped also to ground the performance I agree. Yeah, I think uh, Cooper is a very 
classical filmmaker in a way. He's he. I mean, there are some unique scenes, especially the sort of reality bending kind of. Is this a musical? Is this um, you know, is this real life? But he does kind of fall back on the exactly what you're saying. This kind of like the these like key elements and the and the collaborators he has. And you know, I read a couple snarky reviews where people were, I don't know, sort of in implying that, you know, Cooper sees himself as the sort of Leonard Bernstein. And I think that that's so unfair. And Cooper is someone who has like largely stayed out of the limelight. I don't think there's like a lot of people like know that much about him. Like his personal life is not, he's, you know, he's not like a very public person and, so I, I I don't think that's an app comparison. I think he is a very classical kind of has a very classical aesthetic and he's talked a lot about, especially with Clint Eastwood. I mean, I think he's ultimately a better director than Clint Eastwood, but he says he's learned a lot from Clint and, you know, some of the other directors he's worked with. And How many I don't know. I think he got in with Clint too, right? Just two. Just, I just two, I think. Yeah. America's For a, to- a, a total of, 15 shooting days. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. He doesn't talk about how much he learned from David O. Russell. But... Yeah. Well, he never punched David O. Russell that we know of. So, you know, at least there's that. You got to have three David O. Russell movies. You got to, you got to have some backbone to do that. Yeah, definitely. Well, there also, you go. I think we're pretty very positive. good at, He's very good at casting. I know we didn't. Talk, there weren't that any any real standout supporting performances in this, but I think he's very good at casting. He definitely is. We talked a lot about that with A Star Is Born. I remember in particular, um, God, I'm going to look up his name because I I can't remember it. Um, his name's Lady Gaga. No, the guy that plays uh, Lady Gaga's father, who I only know from having seen an Entourage. Yeah, it's a uh, uh, hey, hickory yeah. dickory dog. Yeah, Andrew Dice uh, Clay. Yeah, and I guess De Niro was like in consideration for that role, and Andrew Dice Clay was like a such a better choice for that role, and I think that's a perfect example of kind of his his casting abilities too. Um, yeah, I mean, this is somebody who's going to have a very long career too, which is exciting. I hope he makes more, you know, makes movies a little more frequently than this. But um, I mean, yes, and I mean, but also like, I don't know, is this a little bit of like the PTA, you know, Tarantino strategy, where like he's clearly spent a lot of time on Maestro and spent a lot of time on A Star Is Born, and like these movies work because, but always, know, always couched in the the efforts he had to do to get the performance right. So, like, imagine if he just directs next time and he yeah. doesn't have to, like, learn to play the guitar and learn to sing and yeah, learn to point. be a, you know. Yeah, might uh, he might make it easier on, on himself next time. But, I mean, he's so good, too. Like, he, I mean, he's, like, he seems to know his talents so well. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, so. Guys, just to get get keep everybody up to date, um, the fixies are are being recorded in fifty two days. I don't know why that's funny. No, nope, just getting down to business. I like it. I I messaged you guys the other day. 
that each of our goals should be 25 more movies um, <laughs> the rest of the way. Okay. Um, just about everything at this point is available, either in theaters or streaming in some way. There's just two movies uh, that are not quite released yet, All of Us Strangers and The Zone of Interest, which happen to be some of the most highly reviewed movies of the year, but uh, waiting on those. Zone of Interest, I think, comes out this week. Uh, I Actually, think you're right. I think it comes out tomorrow or yeah, or Friday. I would still love to, to talk about poor things if we get a chance. Yeah, I'll try to see it uh, tomorrow. Me too. I, I want to talk about that. American Fiction is in theaters now too, um, which is kind of the unofficial front runner for Best Picture at that other award show right now. Um, what is? American Fiction. And I've heard oh. good things about it. Yeah, it looks really funny. Um, so we are we're gonna be busy. <coughs> we'll cut that out. I'm sure. <laughs> I have no doubt. Um, but that's it, guys. So, uh, Maestro is available on Netflix, as I mentioned. A lot of movies now available to stream that we've seen before. Killers of Flower Moon is now on Apple TV Plus. Uh, you can rent Oppenheimer. Barbie's on Max. Our Oppenheimer's um, coming out, I think, on Paramount. On Paramount in like two weeks, yeah. 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 So, no, on no, day. not on Paramount. On fucking Peacock. On Peacock, yes, Peacock. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Get them all confused. Nolan's just like, fucking yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> Nolan can't even find out how to get it. <laughs> it's like, how do I... F- uh... Um, yeah, right. I, I've been I've been uh, kind of snowed in here for the last like four or five days, and I've been I've been checking you know checking things off. Nice every night. Nice. Yeah, what's going on? You guys have an ice storm. Ice storms, snowstorms, windstorms. Everybody's just can't handle it. Perfect, yeah. perfect storm. The perfect storm. Going crazy here. Yeah. <laughs> Javen's just yeah. running around doing Diane Lane impressions. <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched. Uh, Saltburn. Yeah. Um, okay, let's that. do let's do this. We got a little time. Let's do a, a real quick each of us couple minutes on Saltburn and Anatomy of a Fall. Um, you know, I I enjoyed watching Saltburn. I thought the uh, the ending ruined the movie. Um, yeah. And by I, the ending, do you mean like the reveal? Correct. That was you saw coming up three thousand miles away, but also was pretty dumb. I mean, I was I, I was hoping that wasn't going to be I, I you know, I, I I I I don't think that's particularly clever to be like, oh, I saw the ending coming. I mean, I like I I was just waiting there. I was enjoying what I was watching. and I was hoping I I don't know that I saw it coming, but I don't know. I found to, that me, movie to be a bit to too me, deranged. It felt, it felt like a Lanthimos wannabe movie that didn't have the depth of a Lanthimos movie. Um, it was sort of. But is that because you have Barry Keoghan playing like a kind of killer, no? It's because it had, of a sacred deer type character. It's because it had all a lot of weird, you know, aspects to it, like fucking a grave and yeah, drinking bat, like all that stuff. It just felt like it was really trying to be one of his movies. Yeah, and I just yeah, it didn't have it didn't. I don't know what it was trying to say. I, I didn't mind it. I, people are outraged by this movie. I don't. I'm not outraged. It's not by good it. enough to be outraged. It's like everybody, calm to, down. Yeah. Everybody's gonna forget about this movie. I don't, don't get you guys, it. Don't you guys think the ending kind of nullified the entire movie? Well, yeah, it definitely did. But like, that also, where else was it gonna go? Like, uh, if if that if that's I don't know, not but... 
if that is not what the if that is not what the conclusion is then what the fuck did we just watch just like a bunch of weird people i mean it's still that I but yes i guess um um and then I, I really 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 loved anatomy of a fall interesting i i was transfixed by that I, movie again really there's these there, a lot there's always there's always a movie if not more than one that comes out where it has subtitles or a lot of it has subtitles where I, you know, you can't pick your phone up. And so you're I'm just like totally uh, hypnotized by the film. And I thought she, I forget that woman's name, but she's also in zone of interest. Yeah. She was amazing. Yeah, so incredible. Such I, yeah. That movie was really Sandra, engaging. Sandra Hewler. I can't remember the last time I watched a courtroom drama that was so engaging, and I loved how it was done and how the pieces were revealed, and I loved her performance. Um, what a what a wacky justice system they have! Yeah, I know. Yeah, they just was, like you can, anybody can talk too. anytime you want. That was interesting to see too. I, I like some of it kind of made sense. Like, you know, you're allowed to just say no. You know, that's not or, or butt um, in whatever you want. Yeah. I I was thrown by the movie because all of a sudden it was a courtroom drama and I was like, I just wasn't expecting that by any means. And then once it became that, I was like you guys, very kind of enthralled by it, but it was too long. Um, which was I didn't find, I did not find it too long. I wasn't um, like checking my watch. I also really liked it. Um, and the kid was good in it too, which was, that was a tough yeah, role. He was so good. Was good. That Terrible was a tough haircut, role. He, yeah, Is he really blind? Look. We'll never no. know. Never know. <laughs> never know. Yeah. Uh, um, I watched Blue Jean last night. Yeah, like I this. saw that. We all saw that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was a little surface level. It didn't have, you know. Yeah. I, don't know. I, I left I, it on the high priority. I talked to you about this, Jeremy, because I again I think that was another really good performance. I like the both performances actually. I like both performances. The two of women. her and her girlfriend. Yes. Yeah. Have you seen what her girlfriend looks like in real life? No, no. She's like a she's like a blonde. Like, I was looking Car- up her Carrie Hayes. Yeah, it was wild. I just thought like she was so good. I just really thought that's just who she was. I thought they picked her off the street like that. And yeah, just she like the nothing sh- like short it. hair is tattooed. Yeah. It's like kind of like the, you know, stereotypical dyke look. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, what a what a misogynistic podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what I just said, she looked different. There's a, a credit like to Jer- her performance. Yeah, Jer- Jeremy's just like she looks different. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I agree. That movie, like, it was fine. Um, uh, showing up. We all watched Showing Up. Also. Yep. I was not a big fan. Yeah, I was a little. I was a little disappointed. Yeah, for your Oregon. Uh, I actually was surprisingly engaged for this movie. I didn't think it was great, and um, you know, I wouldn't really recommend it. But I wasn't, I wasn't bored, which I was kind of surprised about because really not much happens. It's one of those movies where not much happens, but a lot happens. To, Reichardt's to great at that. Yeah, he's typically really good at the not much is happening, but like gets a lot across. And I didn't think. I mean, at first, Cow was so good that I, you know, it was just yeah, it's t- hard to follow that. Hard up. To, yeah, yeah. Um, makes me uh, maybe yearn for Portland in the summer, especially right now. And then finally, one more that we've all seen that's not going to get its own podcast is Passages. 
That was intense. Hot movie. I uh, I like the characterizations in that. Uh, I especially liked that one character that was, you know, obviously screwing up everyone's life. Um, yeah. You know, I just feel Thomas, like, I, friends yeah, I feel like I've known people like that in the past that just can't get out of their own way. Yeah. Um, and I liked his performance in it. I mean, he he was really good. I, that's a there's somebody who I'd like to like hear an interview with to see if like they are actually like that, like talk like that and like behave that like their mannerisms are like that because he was excellent. Um, it's like when you watched when we watched Last Black Man in San Francisco, and you were like, Jonathan Majors is like is so good in that movie and then you see him and he's just like a kind of a normal guy well yeah real normal yeah, yeah. <laughs> um gulp is he still in your troop jeremy what, how, how have you handled that um we're we're reviewing we're reviewing yeah. doing your yeah. own research yeah <laughs> Conducting I, i'm your asking own aaron roger i'm asking what aaron rogers <laughs> thinks <laughs> if i should keep him or not um yeah i I don't know if I liked passages, if I'm being completely honest. Um, yeah, I don't know if I liked it as a whole, but I did like the performances and then characterizations. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I've been Lee Carlo with Chapin Hemingway and Jeremy Fisk, always your favorite podcasters. Sorry we've been late. Just have been a tough scheduling, Lee. You've been really busy. I have been. <laughs> it's my fault. All right. Um, but we will see you next time.